Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Fundamental Analysis Show, and today uh, we got another retailer. Um, well, I guess a retail platform. Uh, yeah, a little another, different. A little different. A little different. A new age retailer. It is the real, real another um, online marketplace that has gotten hit. Just the stock's gotten clobbered with this, you know, coronavirus uncertainty and the recession that we're probably in right now. Uh, so, Ryan, do you want to get into it? What is the real real? And then do you want to get into the history of how they got started? Yeah. So, first of all, I cannot get enough of that name. It's a bad, uh, I, it's a bad name, right? Yeah. That should have been my future growth opportunity is name change. Um, it makes me think of a reality TV show, right? Yeah. Or like a, like a you know, high school hype beast at the skate park like that's you know that's yeah real real anyway okay so (laughs) the the real real is the world's largest online marketplace for authenticated consigned luxury goods so customers come to the real real in search of luxury items so think jewelry clothes luggage watches and it's not like it's not like the cheaper brands it's balenciaga's louis vuitton's gucci yeezys of the world and I don't wear a lot of that stuff, but like it's basically my closet, but yeah, yeah. it's a flex. Same, same with me. I don't have any of that. So typically that's like what it's seen as is like, it's a flex. I, I, I don't know a lot of people that wear this stuff, but it's supposed to be like, look at me. I'm rich. Um, it's important to understand that, that they are essentially a trusted middleman. So, uh, if you don't understand how consignment works, it's basically, and so I've worked at, um, like a jewelry store that sells consigned goods. So it consignment is when someone is tasked with selling the goods, but they legally belong to someone else. So let's say I come in, I've got a $50,000 necklace and I don't, mm, I couldn't sell it myself. I don't really know how I could come in. I could give it to them. I don't, I don't, they don't buy it or anything like that. But if they sell it for $50,000, they'll take commission. That's essentially what the real real is, but they're an online platform for doing that. So essentially they're a market maker for luxury goods. Yeah. They've, they've sort of, I, I don't think consignment existed online before this. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure it did, but it, it didn't really make sense to me. And then I looked up what their take, what they take. So it's real, real takes a 50% commissions commission on the goods they sell according to some website. But they also have the ability to reduce the selling price by 20% immediately once you consign it over to them. So let's say it's $200 good. They can immediately sell it for $160 and take 50% from that $160. So you lose 40% uh, or $40 off the top. Now, usually these are products that are being sold for so much that they're making money anyway. So it's kind of... It, it, you're going here because they're able to sell your goods. And it's um, secondhand, right? So it's like you're, you're done wearing it um, or it's out of style or whatever and you're trying to pass it on to someone else after you're, you're not going to use it anymore. Yeah, or, or you're a collector. Like there's a lot of people okay. that collect and sell. Uh, I mean, a lot of, I think a lot of this stuff is bought because it's like collections. Like look how many Yeezys I have. I don't know if you ever had those kids or those people that you were around that like had way too many different pairs of shoes. Um, but I'll Those go into the, the history. Heads in my, uh, in my group. 
<laughs> I'll get into the history. Julie Mainwright is the CEO and she wrote a letter and in her letter to the shareholders, she said that she had her aha moment when her friend was shopping at an upscale boutique that sold full price designer shoes, jewelry and clothing in the front of the store and then consigned designer goods in the back of the store. And her friend bought the consigned goods, which surprised her because she said she'd never done that. She'd never seen her friend do that before. And she's like, why'd you do that? And the friend said, well, I trust the owner. I know that it's authentic. It's real. It's a real designer good. Um, and it's not, it's not fake. It isn't counterfeit. So, and then that spurred the idea. If you're a trusted consignment store online, you're going to get a lot of those shoppers that usually go into those upscale boutiques. Um, because it's pretty hard for, it's hard for people to trust luxury items online because there's, it's such a huge counterfeit market. Um, you know, the fake Yeezys, the fake Balenciagas, the stuff like that. It's, it, it's a huge market. Um, but they went public on May 31st, 2019. So almost a year ago now. Um, yeah. And that's basically the history leading up to that. I'm not sure when it was founded. Yeah, pretty interesting. I don't think it was too long ago, but they're not like super new. Uh, their market cap right now, though, is $633 million and their ticker is R-E-A-L. It just spells real. Good and their ticker. price is $8.75 as of April 8th, 2020. Again, we all have always been saying this, the, the latest shows, but make sure to update uh, on the price because there's been, with smaller cap stocks especially, it's been crazy uh, out there the past month. Uh, they're unprofitable with a very negative free cash flow margin. So they've been burning a ton of money. Although the recent quarter, it had gotten better. Price to sales is two. Uh, it's about flat two. 63.9% gross margin, which I guess is the beauty of being a platform. So not it's not based on all the dollars flowing through their market. It's just based off of that take rate and then all the costs associated with that. So it's not like they're having like whatever it's just the way they uh do it uh they're spending about 15 percent of their sales on marketing which i thought was a very good number for a young company growing this quickly their margin adjusted price to sales which is price to sales divided by sales growth and gross margin um is 5.9 which is extremely low and that is assuming sales growth stays the same which it definitely won't um but if you normalize for what they were at uh, maybe you can try to estimate if you think they're going to come out of this healthier than ever or that, you know, they're not going to get hurt too much on the back end of this crisis. That's a number that I would look at. Uh, they have no dividend and they just IPO'd, but their SBC uh, stock-based compensation, I guess, is at 2.68% of revenue, which I thought was a solid number as well. Mm -hmm. Almost $300 million in working capital versus a market cap of $633 million, which is a fantastic number. Tons of cash. Tons lots and lots of cash. Net debt of negative $370 million as of the end of last quarter, which gives them a nice cash cushion as well. Uh, good, very strong balance sheet, especially right after the IPO. Yeah, and so I think a lot of retailers, you look at it and working capital can kind of get juiced up because of inventory. There wasn't a lot of inventory on the balance sheet, especially for them. And I think that is because they are consignment. So they, they don't they brag about having low inventory, yes. Right. So they don't keep a lot of stuff stocked up. Um, now that might change. We're going to talk about it with our future growth opportunities. If they pivot to uh, storefront models, um, they might have to keep a little more inventory. But uh, for the time being, that's kind of uh, their, their balance sheet does look really clean. I'll get into the earnings though. Their gross merchandise volume was $1 billion roughly. And they had, that was 
that grew 42% year over year. And that's for the full year 2019. Um, their total revenue for 2019 was 313 million up 53% year over year. 83% of the top line is from consignment and service revenues. So like we talked about, they get that commission for their consignment for selling their selling the goods. And then the other 17% is direct revenue. So I believe, and maybe you looked into this, I'm not sure, but they have, they, they own clothing or luxury goods as well. And they're selling those directly. Is that uh, what that I, is? I, haven't, I haven't seen that. All I know is they own four physical stores, which, but that is also consignment, I think. So I'm not sure. Maybe they have some first party goods um, and they're just selling them themselves. Uh, but yeah, I guess that is something to look into if that is actually 17% of their revenue. Yeah. A majority of the top line though is that still that consignment and service revenue. Um, they had 63.9% gross margins for 2019. I think you already said that. Their fourth quarter operating cash flow was 3.6 million versus negative 7.6 million in 2018. So that's the fourth quarter. Um, and so it was a little misleading because their operating loss was pretty high. Um, they're so they they had adjusted EBITDA of negative seventy three million, and their net loss for twenty nineteen was negative ninety six million. I think that's but, IPO costs. That's definitely IPO costs. Yeah, I was gonna say it had to be because the fourth quarter looked a lot better. So there was a lot of misleading numbers in there. Um, their trailing twelve month active buyers were five hundred eighty one thousand seven hundred thirty eight. That's up forty percent year over year. That blew my mind. That it's like growing that, that quickly, or it's that high? That it's that number. Like if you look at these, I mean, there are hoodies selling for a thousand bucks. Yeah, like, I can't imagine there's that many people out there buying these things. But five hundred eighty-one thousand, um, sort of an impressive number. There, the uh, for twenty nineteen, their consignment take rate totaled thirty-six point two percent, and they issued guidance. But uh, that's all I have here. I think their guidance is they probably their guidance, and it doesn't matter for twenty twenty. Yeah, I was gonna say it's probably gonna get withdrawn anyway, so I'm not really gonna talk about guidance for a lot of these FA shows that we do coming up. Welcome back. Uh, we're gonna hit the second half of the show here. First up is digging trenches, which is just the moat rating that we do. Uh, what do you think? I, I mean, I'm saying right now, no, but they could have the network effect down the line. Yeah, I think that that actual physical storefront may help. Um, right now, I think their only competitors are Poshmark or Poshmark and Poshmark. ThreadUp. Uh, I think Poshmark delayed their IPO. I don't think they've gone public yet. Um, but I think they have like the most foolproof authentication system. And that's going to be the differentiator is how the customers trust um, in whether or not the luxury goods are fake or not so um if they can kind of differentiate themselves in that way and be the one trusted site where it's like yeah you're not yeah you're gonna pay two thousand dollars for a handbag but you're gonna get the real item then there could be a moat there yes yeah, i'd say it's kind of like the airbnb moat um and similarly uh it's not something that's a consumer just like it's not a consumer staple it's a consumer discretionary uh which would be like travel so yeah, they're kind of in a unique, they start a unique business model. It seems to work and you can build a moat off that. But I think a lot of demand could fall, um, you know, in a time like this when maybe people have to start penny pinching. But next up is further reading. What are you looking into uh, if you're going to research the company more? 
so for me, it is the competitor's authentication process. Um, so, and they made sure to highlight, so Real Real made sure to highlight how trusted they are and how much they've, you know, improved on the authentication process. So do the other competitors have that? Can they build that out? Um, what's the, what's the sort of counterfeit rate um, as a, as a percentage of overall items sold? Um, if they can start to improve on that process, it's going to get crowded and it's going to be a little more difficult um, coming up for real, real. Yeah, it would start becoming a spending war, sort of like an Uber Lyft competition on those platforms. And I just realized when I say for real, real, I'm not saying like for real. I'm saying for the business. Oh, I know. Yeah. Well, I'll just start calling it RR. Okay. That's, that's, yeah. how, that's what I'm going to call them. So my further reading, which you already answered, uh, my first one, I guess, was consignment. I never heard of that. Uh, and I guess you kind of, it's not really like a, it's, it's kind of just a market maker where super pop. Like it's super popular with jewelry. You'll see a lot of like, we sell consigned goods kind of thing. Um, Now you you know. All right. And then my other one though, is they have a high net net promoter score, sorry, uh, which, you know, shows that I guess customers like them, but I want to know how many people prefer shopping on RR compared to, I mean, any other standard place. What's the big difference? Do people like it? then going directly to the parties. Is it that big of a discount? I don't know. Yeah, that's just kind of how I like that. If the value is there, you're going to want to see that from the customer attention and customers liking it. And I, I think that's a good sign, but I, I want to do more research on that. Uh, what do you have for future growth opportunities? So I have the physical stores. They just opened one in San Francisco. Uh, bad timing, but I mean, I guess they only have four of them, so it's not a big deal. They're not going to need many of these, just in like the big cities. They have one in, I think it's San Francisco, New York, and I I think there's two in New York, and I'm guessing there's like one in LA or maybe somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they're not really a way to buy clothes per se. And yes, you can buy clothes there, but it's kind of the benefits of getting the consigners in, getting new consigners in, and then getting, you know, current buyers, like the super buyers that are big fans, and then also new fans that come in just like walk-ins sort of as a customer acquisition tool, uh, you know, getting more people to sign up. And then that just builds that network effect of buyers and sellers, uh, just kind of like that flywheel where you need that two-sided marketplace. Right. I know that's a lot of buzzwords, but I think it uh, actually is legit there. You know, they're going to have full-time experts on site to help with luxury items, to help with repairs, uh, pricing. And I think other things like that, I'm not really sure the exact details. On the conference call, they did mention that their stores have been doing really well Huge growth in GMV at the stores. Um, I know it's a small scale, but I think that's a good sign. They could uh, pop up at quite a few big cities around the United States and the world. Yeah, if I was guessing, those physical stores would definitely help build out that lasting brand or that lasting moat um, and allow them to be more than just a website or a middleman online. Um, my future growth opportunity will be to increase and update their authentication process. I know in 2019 there were a lot of, there were some bad reviews as like a few people got counterfeit products. And so that's, I, I feel like no matter what, there's going to be one or two where you're going to get that. Um, but in 2019 real, real released their uh, in quotes here, no fakes on our site promise and a video of their authentication process. So I think if they invested in single product videos where someone clicks on an item, so here's an item they wanna buy. They wanna buy a Louis Vuitton handbag. 
and they were able to see the authentication process for that individual item specifically, I think that would increase platform trust. Um, but my first future growth opportunity, if I was choosing what the biggest one would be, I would say uh, physical stores as well. Right. And I think this does, this plays into their comparison to Airbnb where you cannot have a bad experience uh, or at least it needs to be like a 99.999% uh, success rate for users on the platform or else, uh, you know, people are going to start spreading that bad reputation and things kind of spiral out of control from there. But it looks like they have it under control. Uh, last segment here, highlights and lowlights. What do you got? So there, I, I think there is a strong customer value proposition here. Um, it, it, they're in a unique industry and the ability to buy luxury goods with the trust and the, the, know, the ability to know that you're getting a real item is hugely important. And if they can hone in on that, they've got a niche there that they're going to be able to milk money out of for a long time. My lowlights though is that they're going to get hurt by COVID big time. Um, and then also, I can't see them with super high net margins at scale. I just don't see how that's possible. Um, if I, they, I might disagree with you on that. I might. I don't know how much like they're going to spend on marketing. They're going to have to spend a little bit on SGNA, but I think spend, they can really decrease that. It's high, super high right now, but I think that can come down quite a bit. They spend uh, barely any on marketing, like fifteen percent of revenue. I their SGNA. So no, that, that, I think that's a positive because eventually the technology research and general and administrative will come down like how do those just, come down how do those come down though without firing employees well you just when you grow uh as a just, percentage no, of I, revenue yeah as a percentage of revenue it doesn't come down it comes down as a percentage of revenue uh so i think it can be strong but yes they are it's it's pretty heavy on the spending side right now yeah i just i'm i'm it's tough for me to see that because there is a niche there. I think there's an absolute threshold to people who buy $2,000 handbags. Um, and, and the other part is if, okay, if they got to the point where they were owning these outright, like that direct revenue started to in, increase as a percentage of revenue, I believe the net margins could get there. I like what they're doing with the storefronts. But on a consignment basis, I don't think the net margins are ever going to be close to what their gross margins are. Mm, I disagree. I think I think consignment will be higher just because it's platform only, zero inventory. Uh, but who knows? We'd have to do more research. Okay. And then also a low light for me is I can't believe people buy this crap. Which <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's subtle. And the name. That's a low light. But <laughs> Name is a low light. Uh, personally, yeah, it's not something I'm ever going to go on. But... I mean, for all of human history, people have used, uh, what are they, they've used fashion. I guess it hasn't been fashion for maybe only the last century, but they've used clothing to, you know, portray a sense of superiority and that's, it's going to continue forever. I would, I would think. Yeah. yeah probably. Uh, but, oh shit, there's a B in here. Uh oh, that's not good. <laughs> keep that uh, All right. Keep that on the show. Keep- Don't cut that out. We're going to keep that in, uh, but I'll just be staring at it well. But yeah, I'll get into mine here. Uh, It's similar to yours. Uh, Let's see if I just have a few things that, yeah, I I like the unique business style. They're different different than traditional retailers and clothing operators and department stores, obviously, and even someone that does unique things like Stitch Fix. Uh, They're really going for that sustainability bump on used clothing, uh, which I think is a good thing. And also it's like people like someone that does that. 
And with normalized business operations, I think they can get profitable pretty easily, but we already discussed that. Lowlights, though, it seems weird to me and not for any, everyone. Um, and I don't think there's a huge growth rate here, but besides that and the profitability, there's not much to complain about. Uh, so yeah, pretty simple on the highlights and lowlights. Okay, um, what's your rating for the stock? My rating would be, I, I just looked at this, so it's not going to be super high. It's not something I know that well, but it's definitely going on my watch list. I give it like a 7.4 just because I think the business models of other online retailers like Revolve Group and Stitch Fix are better and possibly have a larger market opportunity and something that's more sustainable. But at this valuation, it seems pretty solid if you think that uh, the real, real RR uh, can survive this. So I give it like a 7-4, definitely on the watch list. Okay, I'm going to go a little lower. Uh, obviously, we don't really, I'm, maybe I don't see the the master plan for the business here, but I was hoping that I could put this in sort of like a clothing goods bas- retail basket with Stitch Fix and Revolve, but it feels different to me. Um, it's a different business model entirely, and it's. I mean, you have to understand the nature of consignment if you're looking into it. Um, I'm gonna go six. Really? Two times sale, two times revenue for me is still a little bit, especially. Well, it's one the, times if you take an enterprise value. It's under one. Uh, with a cash amount there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm being misled by the IPO expenses. Um, so I, I'll go six. It could go higher if I dug a little deeper, possibly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to like here, but I also get concerned, and this is a big concern you can have with a business if you don't really believe the business model can grow that much, especially if it is a growth stock. I'd say uh, look so- at look at the S1 because that's going to give you uh, like a look into the business before IPO expenses. Yeah, I guess that's something to, I mean, we haven't looked into that, but yeah, if I... Definitely look into that if you're going to buy the stock or before you buy the stock uh, because, yeah, if you're going to hold this for the long term, you want to know or think you know that there's going to be a long runway for growth. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to follow us as always on Twitter. Give us updates or not. We'll give you updates. You give us suggestions for shows to do. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on this show is not formal advice or recommendation. Thank you for listening to this episode. We'll see you guys next time.